Hello, and welcome to episode 14 of Paint by Murders. I'm your host, narrator, and author, M. Travis DiNicola. Paint by Murders is an original mystery novel. It's the first in a series of Harrisburg Homicide Mysteries. In the last episode, Charles and Keith talked more about who they think murdered Jane. Keith started to wonder if Alan Moonshine really is dead and called his art dealer Christopher, who knew Moonshine and Patience. Christopher convinces Keith that Moonshine is dead, but wonders what Patience may be capable of. And then Heidi, the bird lady, wants to talk to Keith. Each episode of this podcast, dropping once a week, sometimes more often, will feature subsequent installments from the novel. If you've been enjoying them, please leave a review and share this with your friends. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy the story. Chapter 44 when I was in high school, they called me Flighty Heidi, or sometimes Flighty Heidi. However he pronounced it, the point was the same. I'm on the autism spectrum, Mr. Keith Reed, and I know I can seem a bit flighty. I'm very aware of what I must seem like to you. I don't do well in front of more than one person, and I don't do well when approached by someone else. If I can approach someone, one person, and control the situation, then I'm usually okay. That's what we're doing now. Um, okay. Can I ask why? She still hadn't looked at him, keeping her gaze fixed on the water. Oh, yes, of course. I wanted to talk with you. Having to speak at Jane's celebration of life was extremely difficult for me, not just because of all those people, but because I truly cared for her. She was one of my few friends. I could be myself with her, and we both liked birds. Yes, I, I gathered that. Um, did you start Serbla? He winced as he pronounced the acronym of her organization and hoped she didn't notice. I started it with Jane's encouragement and help. It really wasn't a surprise that she left most of her estate to Sir Blas. She had always told me she would. I was just asked by Mr. Charles Beckett to act surprised. I guess I wasn't supposed to know, but I always did. Oh, well, that was very generous of Jane. If Heidi knew ahead of time that she was to inherit, then she had a motive to kill Jane, Keith thought. He wouldn't have thought her capable of it before, but... This new attitude of hers had changed his perception of her. Yes, it was. And we both know that Jane was very generous. I heard she left you some artwork. Um, yes, she did. How'd you hear about that? From Mr. Charles Beckett, of course. Still looking over the river. Heidi took a sip of her tea. I know you didn't know her well, but you clearly cared about her and she obviously liked you. Do you know who killed her? Do you think it was me? Heidi's new directness was disconcerting to Keith. He didn't think he knew anyone with autism before and he didn't really know how he was supposed to react or what to say. Cats got your tongue? She asked with a laugh. Or is it cats? I walked by your house the other day and saw two cats in your front window. They seem very friendly. Now Keith was annoyed. He didn't like the idea that she knew where he lived and had gone there. You walked by my house? Why would you do that? To see where you live, of course. I was curious about you after Mr. Charles Beckett told me you were investigating Jane's murder, she said in a matter-of-fact manner. Charles told you that? Keith couldn't believe it. That didn't seem like Charles, unless unless he was trying to set Heidi up. Well, no, not exactly. He did tell me you had some theories about how she was killed, though he wouldn't tell me what they are. So, are you a painter or a detective? I'm very confused. So am I sometimes, Keith said truthfully. Do you think I'm the murderer? Heidi asked again. Um, no. Why would I think that, he asked, even though now he was thinking that. Well, I did have a motive. All that money for Serbla. But... You liked Jane. True, I did, but that's a lot of money. It would make sense if you thought it was me. I can see that. 
Well, I didn't think it was you until you asked. This is just weird. Sorry. I don't know what to think. Was Heidi crazy? Was she telling him this because she really was guilty and thought it would throw him off? Or was she actually guilty? He had no idea. I like your paintings, Heidi said, abruptly changing the subject. I saw the one you did at the members gallery for the plein air day. It was really good. I looked you up online then and saw some of your other work. I hope I can paint something like that someday. Keith almost got whiplash trying to follow her train of thought, but then said, I hear you just started painting recently. Oh, so the detective knows something about me, does he? Interesting. Were you investigating me? I bet it was Alicia who told you that. Heidi asked and sipped her tea. Keith was embarrassed now. I, I, I wasn't investigating you, I, but I was talking with Alicia at the plein air event, and she mentioned that painting was somewhat new for you. Sorry. She finally turned her head to look at Keith. Sorry, for what? If you're telling the truth, then there's nothing to be sorry about. She turned back, looking at the river again. Do you ever offer classes? I'd really like to take a class with you, Mr. Keith Reed. Again, with the whiplash. What? What are you talking about? Was all Keith could sputter out. Yes, that's what I wanted to talk with you. Wasn't that clear? Sorry, I get distracted. I'll try to be clear. I really like your paintings, and I want to get better, and wanted to find out if you ever give lessons, do you? Um, I have, but right, not right now. I'm trying to finish up a... Bunch of paintings for a gallery in just a few weeks and must spend all my time on that. And play detective. I bet that takes a lot of time, too. Was that a joke she just made? Keith couldn't be sure. He thought he detected a smile on her face. Right. Well, anyway, I'm not doing any teaching right now, but maybe I will again sometime. You should consider teaching at the members gallery sometime. They're always looking for good teachers. Has Alicia tried to recruit you yet? Keith had finished his cappuccino and was ready to be finished with this conversation. Yes, she mentioned it to me once. You really should consider it. As I said, I'd really like to take a class from you, Mr. Keith Reed, to find out what you know. That last statement sounded ominous to Keith, but then again, he was completely confused by Heidi. Thank you for your time, she said as she stood up from the bench. She turned to him just slightly as she said, I hope you have a good day, and then turned to walk up the river path away from town. Totally befuddled, Keith watched her walk away and then, without turning around, raised her hand and made a wave behind her as if she knew he was watching her. What the heck was that all about? Chapter 45 Keith had originally gone out for a walk and cappuccino to clear his head. His encounter with Heidi only cluttered it. He decided to walk down to the Harrisburg Art Members Gallery. Alicia had left him a message earlier that week that his plein air painting had sold and he could pick up the check any time. It was just a small check and with the advance from Christopher much less necessary at the moment, but money was money and if nothing else, he could take Ginger out for a nice dinner at Noted with it. He crossed the street and went into the old building. Alicia wasn't there. Instead, a young man with uncombed hair and a scruffy beard was sitting at the desk playing a game on his phone. Keith stood there waiting to be acknowledged, finally coughing to get the kid's attention. Oh, hey, sorry. The kid said while putting down his phone. I didn't realize anyone was here. How can I help you? Would you like to become a member? Actually, I'm a member already. My name's Keith Reed. Alicia left me a message that I had a check waiting here for one of my paintings. I came to pick it up. The young man's eyes got big for a moment, and he looked like he was about to say something, changed his mind, and then became very businesslike and asked Keith to repeat his last name so he could find the check. He rifled through a filing cabinet next to the desk and quickly found the envelope with Keith's name. I just need you to sign this, the kid said while handing him a generic form acknowledging payment. After Keith signed it and the check was handed over, he thanked the kid and turned to walk out of the gallery and back to the river. It's really awful about what happened to Alicia, 
the kid said right as Keith was reaching for the doorknob. What happened to her? Keith asked as he quickly turned back to the kid. Didn't you hear? They found her in the Susquehanna the other day. She drowned. Keith wondered if he heard correctly, and yet he knew he had. She drowned. You mean Alicia? Still behind the desk, the kid said, Yeah, man, Alicia's dead. It's really awful. I'm sorry I had to be the one to tell you. Were you two friends? No, I mean, well, not really. We've met a few times, and she was always very nice, but I, I didn't know her well. Yeah, she was awesome. Super smart, too, you know. Always asking questions. We go, or I guess we went, to art school together. She helped me get this internship. Super nice girl. Totally sucks. They were both silent for a moment, not knowing what else to say. Keith just stood there in the middle of the gallery, shocked. When it started to get awkward, the kid stood up and walked over to him as if to hug him. And then he reached out his hand while he said, I'm Pete. Keith accepted Pete's hand, but didn't respond otherwise. Are you okay, mister? You you don't look so good. Do you need to sit down or want some water or something? Keith heard Pete's voice and after a moment shook it off and said thank you and that he was fine. He knew the Susquehanna wasn't that deep this time of year. Despite his momentary fear of Charles the other day, it'd be difficult for someone to drown in the river. Pete, he then asked, do you know how she drowned? Oh man, I don't know. She fell in and got caught in the dam? The cops were here yesterday talking with the director and all, and they even talked to me, but I don't know anything. Well, what did they tell you? Just that someone found her floating in the river downstream from here at the dam. Her purse was with her, so that's how they knew who she was and that she worked here. But they didn't say much else. I mean, not to me, at least. The director, Miss Carrie, might know more, but she isn't here right now. Why are you asking? Why was Keith asking? He didn't know her that well. She had been friendly, but they weren't friends. Was it just morbid curiosity to want to know the details? No, Keith knew it was more than that. This wasn't a coincidence. Somehow this was related to Jane's death. Sure, it could have been an accident, but Keith didn't believe that. Someone murdered Alicia, too. Keith didn't answer Pete's question. Instead, he just said thank you as he left the gallery. Chapter 46 Keith crossed the street back to the river park and found an open bench. He pulled out his smartphone to check the newspaper's website. He hadn't seen anything the other day. After a minute of searching the site, he found what he was looking for. Bobby Thorne again. Apparently, he was the only reporter on the suspicious death beat. As Keith speed read through the article with the headline, The Drowning Machine Claims Another Life, he could tell there weren't a lot of details known yet, or at least not being released. Alicia Moore, 23 of Harrisburg, was found dead in the Susquehanna River on Tuesday morning. A jogger had spotted her body caught up in the Dock Street Dam near the Shipoke neighborhood. Thorne wrote that the Lowhead Dam, which crosses the entire Susquehanna, forces the water to flow over the top of the concrete tube and creates a nearly inescapable hydraulic that pulls in swimmers and boats. Over 30 people have been killed there in the years since the dam was built, earning it the name The Drowning Machine by locals. The scarves she was wearing had become entangled in the mechanism, holding her body in place. An unidentified official was quoted as saying that it was being treated as a tragic accident, and they speculated that on the previous evening she had tripped and fallen into the river, most likely by the Market Street Bridge, possibly hit her head, becoming disoriented, and was carried by the current down to Shypoke and into the dam where she drowned. They were trying to determine if alcohol had been a factor. If anyone saw anything to call the authorities, blah, blah, blah. There was nothing about who Alicia was as a person, but he supposed there wouldn't be. It wasn't an obituary. He wasn't sure what he expected to learn. Sitting on the bench, Keith looked up from his phone. 
The Market Street Bridge was right there, almost directly across from the Harrisburg Art Members Gallery. The park sat up on the hill a good 20 feet from the lower pathway in the water. If Alicia fell in the river by the bridge, then it would have been right down there, he thought. He walked towards the spot. He passed the bridge and descended the old concrete stairs to the lower path. He wasn't sure what he was looking for, if there really was anything to look for. He just wanted to get a sense of where it was that Alicia was pushed. Yes, pushed. Walking along the path, he tried to look casual, hoping the joggers running by would think he looked just like anyone else walking along the river, not like someone investigating a murder, which made no sense at all. It wasn't like he was wearing a deerstalker hat and holding a magnifying glass in front of him. Keith had his hands in the pockets of his jeans and was wearing a hoodie sweatshirt, but he felt incredibly self-conscious. He wondered if you walked differently if you were just strolling compared to how you walked if you were investigating a murder. He tried to walk more casually. It felt like every jogger knew what he was up to and laughing. If he couldn't get out of his own head, he knew he would never make a good detective. Was someone watching him? He looked for security cameras. Down here, there weren't any. And because of the steep drop of the slope, none of the cameras from the Front Street businesses would have been able to see anything. Keith wondered if Alicia went into the water above the bridge, right underneath it, or below it. Then he wondered why that would make any difference. Would it have been easier for someone to push her in if they were under cover of the bridge? Probably. Was it someone she knew and they were walking together? Or did someone jump out of the bushes and ambush her? On this part of the river path, there were very few bushes big enough to hide in, especially under the bridge. It must have been someone she knew, he thought. Did Alicia drown before or after she got sucked in the dam? Did the dam really kill her or was she dead before then? Keith's mind was racing as he walked under the bridge. The final line from Alan Moonshine's Savage Shadow performance echoed inside his head. Asking for a sacrifice, you will see your savage shadow make a cut through the water's surface. Alan Moonshine was drowned in the performance, and then drowned for real by paint. Was drowning a theme? Or was Leisha hit on the head with a moonshine brick too and then dumped in the river? Was being hit on the head with a brick a theme? Theme? Where did that come from? Themes were for art, but he was trying to make his mystery painting. Referring to it as art sounded ridiculous right now when another person was murdered. This was a pattern, and what did they call it on TV shows? An MO, a modus operandi. That was Latin for method of operating, right? Was there any M.O.? Should he call Detective Henry and tell him what he knew? Did he know anything at all? And why was he thinking in questions? His inner voice was beginning to sound like, Alicia. Ugh. Now he just felt sad and a bit sick. Somehow Alicia got mixed up in Jane's death and was killed because of it. What was it she knew? Or saw? Whatever it was, Keith knew he wasn't going to find it on the riverbank. He gave up looking for clues and solemnly walked back home to rest. Chapter 47. Keith tried to nap but couldn't. His superpower failed him. He was also too upset about Alicia to paint or do much of anything else for the rest of the afternoon. He needed mindless physical activity. He really needed to get his bike out of the basement for times like this. Instead, he gave Ed and Hop's litter boxes the best cleaning they had ever received. And then he went to work on cleaning his paintbrushes. Finally, the afternoon turned into evening and Ginger came home. It was the annual release day for the Nouveau Beaujolais wine, and she had brought home a bottle as she usually did each year. 
As Ginger opened the bottle and grabbed some glasses, Keith held off on telling her about Alicia until they had settled in on their upper balcony to watch the sunset between the buildings as they drank their wine. She was as shocked as he was. Oh my gosh. Well, if Alicia was killed, said Ginger, then Trevor couldn't have done it. He's still in jail. Exactly. I've been thinking the same thing. Trevor couldn't have killed both Jane and Alicia. This proves he's innocent. Honey, it doesn't prove anything except that he didn't kill both of them. He still could have killed Jane. And no one has said Alicia was murdered except you. But you think so too, don't you? Ginger took a long, slow sip of her wine as she stared off at the sun and then said, Yes, I do. It would be too great of a coincidence. I think, for Alicia's drowning to somehow not be connected to Jane's, and if we think that, then I'm sure the police think that as well and are already working on it. They'll find out what's going on. Keith, honey, you need to step back from this. It's getting dangerous. They sat for a while, not saying anything, until Keith broke the silence. I forgot to tell you about the conversation I had with Heidi Flyterbaum today. You talked to the bird lady? Yep. And she wants me to teach her how to paint. What? <laughs> how did that come about? Keith then recounted, as best as he could, the whole conversation, while Ginger sat there in stunned silence, jaw dropped, eyes wide. What the heck was that all about? She asked when he finished. Exactly what I was wondering, too, Keith said. So, is she a suspect now? I have no idea. Is she loony, or is she brilliant? I have no idea. Maybe both? Wow. Yep. Wow is right, Keith agreed. Why would Charles tell her all that about you? I have no idea. Maybe he has his reasons. I'll certainly ask him the next time I talk with him. What do you think? Keith asked his wife. I've got nothing for you on this. No idea what to say at all. That's how I felt through most of our conversation. After a few more pleasant moments of silence and a few more sips of wine, Keith said, I'm going to talk to patients tomorrow. What? Why? Ginger looked baffled. Did you hear anything I said before? This is getting dangerous. I just want to ask her some questions. Oh, like, hey, Patience, did you force Alan Moonshine to kill himself? Or how about, hey, Patience, how did you kill Jane if you were with Charles? And by the way, did you push Alicia into the river or was it the bird lady? I'm sure those will go over really well. Just don't turn your back on her. Keith rolled his eyes at his wife, a mistake he realized the moment he did it. Do not roll your eyes at me, Keith Reed. I suppose you're going to tell me that you'll be more subtle than that with your questions. Yes, I was going to say I would be more. Keith breathed deeply, then said, subtle. And then Ginger rolled her eyes at him as he continued. Look, I've got legitimate reasons to talk with her. I'm an artist. She runs a gallery. I was a fan of Moonshine. She's a Moonshine expert. There are lots of things I can ask her. Fine. I can tell you're not going to listen to me anyway. Just please don't get yourself killed. Chapter 48 The next day, Friday, while having breakfast at Arturo's, Keith read the news on his phone. Bobby Thorne had a short follow-up story on Trevor, noting that he had pleaded not guilty and was being held on a million dollars bail. Included was a brief recounting of the murder, but nothing new. And there was nothing at all about Alicia, much less any suggestion that it was murder. 
there were calls on the editorial page for the city to do something about the drowning machine dam, such as putting up more warning signs or removing it entirely. Keith didn't really understand why the dam was needed at all. After breakfast, he skipped the cannoli and walked down through Midtown to the Gray Gallery. He tried to run through his head what he wanted to say to Patience. He knew, of course, that Ginger was right and that he couldn't ask her directly what he wanted to know. Was Patience forging moonshine bricks? Did Patience kill moonshine? Who killed Jane? And was Alicia murdered too? But maybe he could provoke her in some way into telling him. And realistically, he knew this probably wasn't going to happen. Keith wasn't good at being deceitful or manipulative. He wondered what he was even doing. He should just let the police handle this, but... He couldn't help himself. He needed to know. Maybe answers to all the questions was too much to expect, he thought. What about just one? That'd be a win, right? And if he could get the answer to just one, then maybe it would lead to the other answers. Keith arrived at the glass door of the gallery and still had no real plan of attack. He looked up at the Capitol and made a mental note to himself that he still needed to take a tour of it sometime, but not today. As before, the bell rang when Keith opened the door but there was no click of Patience's heels on the floor to greet him. He could hear her voice, though, from the back office. The words were indistinct, but it sounded like she was on the phone. He walked over and poked his head through the open door. Patience was sitting at her desk, her hair pulled back high onto her head with her cell phone at her ear and her purse on her desk. She nodded in acknowledgement when she saw Keith and flashed her open hand, fingers splayed at him to indicate she'd be five minutes. He nodded back and retreated to the gallery. As usual, there wasn't much on display except an acrylic book stand on an acrylic pedestal with a copy of the limited edition Calvin Klein-covered souvenir program from Alan Moonshine's Alpha Omega. The cotton fabric was stretched over a hardboard cover. He opened it, saw that it was number three of an edition of 27, and wondered who had numbers one and two. Patience probably held back number one for herself. Was Jane's copy number two? There was an introduction written by Patience, which Keith skipped past. It wasn't a thick book, just 30 pages, but it was exquisitely produced. The pages were heavy and glossy, each one a colorful work of art unto itself, with a combination of photographs, texts from Moonshine's performances, and reproductions of sketches and notes he had made about his works, all collaged together. He rechecked the title page to see who had designed it. He wasn't surprised to see that it was Patience, but he was impressed. He flipped back through the book. There are pictures of piles of bricks and messy studios, and there were many photos of a young Alan Moonshine who looked remarkably like Trevor. In one, he was standing proudly in front of a broken storefront window, presumably that of a gallery he had just performed in, wearing the cowboy boots and a black skirt, his chest bare. Another picture had him dressed up in a cape like Dracula, holding two long fangs up to his grinning mouth. Was it for Halloween or some performance, Keith wondered. Something about the photo was familiar. There were a few other pictures of a woman that Keith didn't recognize until he realized it was Moonshine in drag. He made a convincing woman. What do you think of the book? Patience's voice startled Keith. He hadn't heard her and her high heels approach. He looked down to see that she was wearing slippers. She was certainly capable of sneaking up on someone. She noticed his glance. Sorry, I didn't mean to startle you. I wasn't expecting anyone today, and I can't wear heels all the time. I hope you aren't offended by the informality. No, not at all. I, I like to be comfortable when I'm working, too. The book is beautiful. Really well done. You did a great job on the design. Thank you. I was a bit nervous about doing it, but I'm feeling pretty good about it now. 
I started off as a design student before I switched majors. It's been such a long time since I took a stab at anything this complicated. It was a labor of love. She seemed slightly embarrassed. Keith felt a bit uncomfortable. Have you sold many? He still had the book open on the stand and now closed it. He had no idea how much she was asking for the book and wondered if the gallery was losing money on it. Of course. There are still a lot of Moonshine fans out there, you know. I've only got three copies left, and then that one, which I've designated as the house copy, so it isn't for sale. Oh, I see what you were getting at. When I said labor of love, I was just referring to how important it was to me to do, to put in all the extra hours and push me out of my creative comfort zone. Not that we're losing money on it. I've been selling them at a thousand each, so the gallery is doing just fine. A thousand? Wow, nice, Keith said, though it seemed ridiculous to him. Then he wondered if he should have been wearing gloves when flipping through it. Well, they are a limited edition. Patience looked at the closed book on the stand and then back to Keith. Did you come here to buy one, or was there something else you wanted? Her tone suggested that she didn't really think of Keith as a customer. Ha, uh, no, I'm, I'm not in the market for one of the books. It's a bit out of my price range today. Patience nodded. No, I, I wanted to talk with you about... He paused. Moment of truth, Keith. He said to himself, go ahead and ask her. He was frozen. Well, his mouth was frozen, but his brain was working. What was I trying to tell him? Yes? Asked Patience. His pause had gone on too long. She looked annoyed. Or maybe she was worried that he was having a stroke. He had to say something, but couldn't get his mouth to make words. It wasn't because he was afraid of her. It was because he had seen something and his brain was trying to make sense of it still. One of the pictures in the book. There was something there. The answer was there. What was it? What had he seen? You've been listening to episode 14 of Paint by Murders. Thanks to Pixabay.com for the music. Come back in a week for the next episode. If you'd like more information about the project or have comments you'd like to share, please do so on the social media pages where you found this or email me at paintbymurders at gmail.com. I'm your host, narrator, and author, M. Travis DiNicola. Thanks for listening. <laughs>